One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, I'll lean into. So, Elliot, we'll call this one the Alberta edition of 32 Thoughts, the podcast. Three interviews with three players who ply their trade in the province of Alberta. You will hear from Andrew Mangiapane. You will hear from Matthew Goodchuck. And in moments, we will hear from Darnell Nurse, defenseman with the Edmonton Oilers. I want to start with a quick conversation uh, about Andrew Mangiapane, who uh, I love. I think you love as well. 25-year-old winger from from Bolton, Ontario, a six-round draft pick of the Flames, never drafted in the OHL, never played internationally, won gold medal at the World Championship, was the IIHF MVP of the tournament, a really unlikely win for Team Canada after dropping four games. Yep. Nick Paul with the OT win. Like it was a it was a great world championship to follow if you're a Canadian hockey fan. When I say the name Andrew Mangiapane, what comes to your mind for each? I think of a guy who beat the odds, you know, a guy who wasn't uh, a high pick, a guy who some scouts in the in the Calgary organization had to really go to bat for, and a guy who worked. And, you know, he tells an uh, excellent story about his first meeting with uh, the GM, Brad Tree Living, and some points about making it to the NHL that he put in his wallet, uh, and he kept there. Yeah. And I, like, I like things like that. I, I think we all like underdogs. We all like long shots, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he's a guy who's a long shot and he's a first line player in the NHL. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Highly skilled guy. Someone who's never been considered a long shot is Matthew Kachuk. This guy has been ticketed for greatness for a number of years. And I don't know how else to describe Matthew Kachuk other than saying Matthew Kachuk is Matthew Kachuk, like we all know what that hockey brand is at this point. And in this interview, and you've all seen the clip by now, there's the uh, the comments about the negotiations uh, that his brother Brady is going through uh, with the Ottawa Senators. But I- I'll ask you the same question I just did about Mangiapani. When you hear his name, what do you think? I think, thankfully, he's a person who doesn't duck a question. Yes, true. He's a Kachuk. And it's basically what he talked about there is that they're all wired a a certain way, right? Mm -hmm. It was really interesting to hear him talk about the fact that they've never gotten off to a great start since he's been there. Um, It actually reminds me, because I'm going to write a little bit about this interview for the blog this week, and I meant to go back through Calgary's Septembers during his career or early seasons during his career and see exactly what they were. Because... I, I think that's pretty interesting. Like in this league, we haven't done it in a couple of years, right, Jeff? But I have the November 1st stat. Yeah. That if you're four or more points out of the playoffs on November 1st, you know, you don't make the playoffs in the NHL. So imagine what it's like every year. It's Groundhog Day mm-hmm. and you are climbing out of a hole right away. Like it's never easy. And it's never easy at the best of times. But imagine when it's never easy all the time. Like you're never breathing easy. It's a very difficult way to play. I think this is a huge year in Calgary. And I, I think it's a huge year for him. It went sideways for him and everybody else last year. Yeah. And I think he's going to come out this year with a lot to prove. What do you make of the, uh, before we get to Darnell Nurse here in a second of the Oilers, a quick thought or two on the Calgary Flames. Listen, the last couple of seasons have been messed up for everybody. Um, last season was 
you know, 56 games and no playoffs for the Calgary Flames. Uh, a lot of us thought, well, is that it for this group? Uh, what we saw were a bunch of Daryl Sutter type players come in. Your uh, Blake Coleman's, for example, Brad Richardson's and Nikita Zadorov's. These types of players come into the Flames organization. The question that I have is, is that enough to get the Flames back to the playoffs? I don't know the answer to that. But what do you see as the, are the, the burning questions this year? Maybe the obvious one is the Johnny Gaudreau situation. But what do you see as the burning questions for the Flames this season? Well, well, to me, the number one question is, you know, how do you get Monaghan back to being the player he was? I would think the number one way to get him back to being the player he was is keep him healthy. That is true, but you know he hasn't been an impactful guy in a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's the number one question. He's he has to be a pretty important player on your roster. This is a team that's not going to play to score a lot of goals. So when you have a guy who historically has had that kind of touch around the net, like you know him, he can score from in close. But I think you need to put him with someone who can get the puck to in close, and yeah. then he's got to be willing to go there and score. Quick pause on Monty. You're 100% right on that. If you look at all the play, all the areas that he scored, it's always right in front of the net. That's yes. where Sean Monaghan scores his goals, period. Sorry, Fridge, continue. No worries. So I think you have to find a way to get him going again. The second thing is they could make the playoffs in that division. They're good enough to make the playoffs. Daryl Sutter is going to have them play a certain way and they're all going to stick to it and they're going to grind and and they're going to be in a lot of games. Here's my question. In the West, you need a backup who can play. Is Dan Vladar that guy? We don't know. We're going to find out. No one can tell you definitively. There's no way. We haven't seen enough of a body of work from the 24-year-old. To me, that's a big question. You know, I, I don't think my, playing Marstrom 74 games is going to work. Uh, those days are long gone. Yeah. Darnell Nurse, Edmonton Oilers. And his big story in the offseason was, of course, the eight-year, $74 million contract from which he can thank a number of different defensemen who helped uh, raise the prices for defensemen around the league. Thoughts on Darnell Nurse before we get to some thoughts on Edmonton here. Well, I I never have a problem with someone securing the bag, as the young kids say. Nice. You're worth what someone's willing to pay you, and I never have a problem with someone who says yes to a big contract. Um, You know, we mentioned this in the interview. So I went to go see uh, Anthony Stewart's kids uh, one day in August at their camp, Mm -hmm. and I'll tell you this, there were a lot of talented kids there, and they could really shoot the puck. Like that's one thing I know is what every single one of those kids could really shoot the puck. There were two speeches during the time I was there. The first was Darnell Nurse's and the second was mine. And guess who the kids were paying more attention to? I'll, I'll give you. I'll, you yes, it, it was unquestionably me. You're the guy. It's the guy with the podcast. Wow, cool. Uh, that's right. So as a matter of fact, like after Nurse left, they took a bunch of kids, took pictures with them, and then he left and. I walked in there and I said, guys, like, I'm going to be really quick because I, I don't like following that. And the kids were actually laughing that I said that. Hmm. You know, Nurse was was really good to them, like talking about how you can't ride the roller coaster of emotions. And the kids asked him really good questions. He said the key thing was you don't ride that roller coaster of emotions. There's going to be bad days and you have to handle that. You know, he talked about like he really felt his big key was he wasn't afraid of work. He comes from a family of athletes, obviously. You know, his dad, his 
uh, his mom, his sister, his cousins. They're all athletes. They understand the work yeah. that it takes. And he talked about his book and the book that he that he read. And it was funny, like Anthony, after it was over, actually, I can't remember if it was Anthony or someone else. It might have been Anthony who said, okay, how many of you are going to go buy that book? And all the kids put up their hands. And the guy said, well, how many of you are going to go buy that book today? And the kids were like, today? I don't know if I can get it done today. And they were like, the whole point is making is that you do it right away so you don't forget about it. It was really funny. Like, it was just, <laughs> it was a really good conversation. But I really liked listening to what Nurse had to say. And those kids were really riveted to him. Like, I know when I was talking to them, and I did make it quick, they weren't riveted to me. But they sure were riveted to him. <laughs> uh, what do you make of the Oilers uh, this season? My nickel and dime thoughts on it are uh, they improved up front, but still question marks about the blue line and the goaltending question lingers. You know, I, I wrote that last week, and, and it was actually the day of, of his first media conference, and Ken Holland said, I'm not really looking at a goalie right now. I'm with you. I think that's going to be a season-long story, and I know you're on the Hudobin train. I know that that's one thing you're going to uh, be Neil and Ken Holland have a relationship yeah. going back to Detroit. I, it, 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 to me, it just seems too obvious. I wouldn't be surprised if there's somebody else in Edmonton working with Smith at at some point in the season, a shame about Staylock too. Absolutely. That's just a, a, a terrible story. And on that, uh, we'll hear from these three gentlemen, Andrew Mangiapani, Matthew Kachuk, both of the Calgary Flames. But up first, Darnell Nurse of the Edmonton Oilers on 32 Thoughts to Podcast. Darnell Nurse of the Oilers joining us here on the podcast. First of all, thanks so much for joining us. Second of all, congratulations uh, on the new deal with the Edmonton Oilers. As much as you can, before we get into the hockey side of things, the business part of things, as much as you can, what was this negotiation like from your point of view? How did you get there? I mean, the, there was a lot of things that took place, obviously, before yeah. um, and during the process of us negotiating with or my agents negotiating with with Canyon and in Edmonton and it all came down to I mean there's comparables and then numbers were set within the market and then it's kind of you know get in where you fit in and from the business side there was for me battling you know trying to go shorter at around four years to you know all the way to a contract that is will be nine years with my one year left eight years plus the one year left so yeah there's a lot of juggling going on and you know for me it was great for once in my in my career to have a, a long contract. I think this was kind of the the purpose of doing two shorter contracts. My first one being, I think it was three years, and then two and two after my entry level. Uh, so this was kind of the whole purpose of doing that was to be able to be in a position where uh, I was here and able to to get in from a market value. At any point, was it stressful? For me, it wasn't stressful because. My whole mindset really going into the summer was I'll go play next year. It's no problem and uh, see where everything shakes out. And that's, I said, like, that's been my mindset really since I got into the NHL. That's why I did two bridge deals. It's, you know, I'm fine to go play. I believe in myself and what I'm I'm capable of. And yeah, so when, you know, everything kind of unfolded throughout the summer, obviously it's it's nice to have a long deal and and to see the organization and the management have that same belief in me that uh, having myself is. It means a lot, and there's no sense of being like, okay, this is I got my deal, I'm, right. I'm fine. There's no sense of that. It's 
okay now i got a lot more work to do and, and um it just made me more and more hungry the first thing i want to ask you was there was a point where i heard you were going to sign a four-year extension and then i heard that that had been stopped and said no no, no we're going full eight what happened in between that time <laughs> i'm not sure what happened there was just it was negotiation like things were uh it was moving like it wasn't like the whole negotiation wasn't like hey, we went in with one idea i think both sides were very open to different different options it just sh- shook out that a long-term deal was was what played out did your family say anything to you like uh, darnell like your family is really close they're yeah. really smart they they know sports obviously very well like some families stay right out of that like your family knows the business so mm-hmm. i wonder how much they talk to you about what you should do i'm really fortunate because my my family does know the business and they'll give their two cents but they'll never pressure me to do one thing or another like even having talked to my dad uh, over first two negotiations that I had, he comes from a football background, right? So everything within football is, okay, you got to get as much money for as long as possible. And this was his mindset. First two times I went and negotiate. And I just said, back, I said, Dad, no, I, I'm going to bet on myself. I believe in myself. And uh, he's like, what? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, what? Like, what? What is that? So it was just like, so having had gone through that twice, my family, yeah, they'll give me their opinion and whatnot, but then they knew at the end of the day, like I was just going to do what mm-hmm. I wanted to do and what I felt was best for myself and, and for my family. Because at the end of the day, like, I mean, now I got a son, like I'm not just worried about myself, like, I'm worried about his future and, and whatnot. So, but I, I was taking that taking that all into account. But I mean, with that said, I do have a lot of confidence in myself. Like I can't, I can't deny that. It's really interesting to me because there have been times in my career where I've done short and there have been times in my career when I've done long and I do it for me, like there was a time I, I had to do short to bet on myself, but it created a lot of stress internally. Mm-hmm. So you've done that now twice. Like, And I think that's a good thing, Darnell, to teach young people, like how to know when to bet on yourself and how not to get overwhelmed by saying, I'm taking a short deal because I'm going to gamble on yourself. Mm-hmm. How do you do it? Like for young people listening to this, how do you handle that where you may be giving up security because you believe in your ability? Well, I think like going through it and I probably had this mindset more the second time, like not so much the, you know, I had the first bridge deal, but the second, the second bridge deal, the one that I'm on the second year of now, uh, I had this mindset more as like, there's only one thing I can control and that's my work ethic. So I always said like, I would watch my film and stuff and be like, okay, I know what I can be as a player and like what I'm pushing to be as a player. Like it's not just going to happen. Right. Like, so it it almost came to, I was no longer worried about the numbers or years or what was going on or like the numbers I was going to put up and how it was all going to play out. It was like, the only thing I can control is my work and like how I'm going to grow as a player is I'm going to start outworking everyone. So that was to this day, like you're still going to find people that work harder than you. And then you got to find a way to get the upper hand on them. Right. Like this is, so I kind of just shifted the mindset of, you know, if I'm going to bet on myself, I'm going to bet on myself, but I can't be continuously thinking about the fact, Oh my God, I did a short term deal. What else could this have been? You make that commitment to yourself. And within that commitment, you're also committing to the amount of work that's going to take to get yourself that next deal or get yourself uh, that security. Let me start in by talking about the Oilers here now on the ice. We've talked to a lot of forwards mainly about what it's like to play with Connor McDavid. Plenty of people have shared that perspective, but you're on the ice a lot with Connor. From a defenseman's point of view, how do you play with Connor McDavid? 
he's fun to play with. And I don't say that only just from an offensive standpoint. I think a very underrated part of how he's been growing his game has been in the defensive zone mm-hmm. and his awareness and trying to help out the D-men down low and being in good spots if something breaks down so he can help out defensively. Obviously, you look at the highlights and he's beating three people up the ice and, yeah. and setting up that backdoor goal. But as a D-man, to one, if you can break out the puck up the middle of the ice where he has time and space, I mean, you're out of your zone 100% of the time that you get on the puck. On top of that, with his commitment to, to wanting to be better in the defensive zone and he's not as good as he is because like for no reason he's very obsessive in his work and and in his craft and when he puts you know that kind of mindset too into the defensive side of the puck I mean some of the strides I even think he made like last year and, and the year before I mean, it's, it's gonna be scary like he can be a very very good all-around yeah. uh, a player and as good as he already is like he's, he's the best player in the league in my opinion and Sure, I might be a little biased, but that's, uh, I don't think you're going to get too many arguments. Yeah. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah. Very controversial yeah, statements. <laughs> you know, the one thing that must be frightening, and you would have known this because you would have played against him in the in the Sioux and Junior, is when he starts playing around with his speeds. Oh, Com- yeah, toys with yeah. D-men. And yeah, 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 yeah. Does he do it to you in practice ever? Well, he tries. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, of course. He's... That's one of my favorite things, like being able to practice it's him and Leon. Like these are two guys. Like I know it's practice, but there's no no days off in practice. I'm yapping at them, they're yapping at me, and we're just you know trying to beat each other all the time. So being able to play against them in practice and see what they're capable of, it's it's, it's scary. It's, it's fun to be on the other side of it when the game when the game starts to be on the same side as them. But in practice, to to play against it, yeah. Is it always a good time to give him the puck? In the right spots, right. You got to think most teams that we play against, they got one guy that wants to shadow him or they're just trying to take away his speed, right? And I think, you know, for our team to have that secondary scoring and to have other people that are are able to put the puck in the net and and create plays, that's what makes it important because other teams are so obsessed with with one person and trying to shut down one person. I mean, you look at we have probably two of the best playmaking forwards up there, probably the top five in, in the league, so... You know, everyone's worried about them. If we were able to find some secondary, you know, whether it's from the back end, up front, like there's got to be ways that all of us uh, as a whole around them can can contribute to. What's one thing you learned about him being his roommate that people don't know? I think he just says like attention to detail. I mean, it's easy to say, okay, he's he's like dialed in and, you know, they worry about their nutrition and everything. No, like this is like a whole different extreme. Like there's nothing going in this guy's body that's not making them better, which is – it was eye-opening for me because, like, this is at a young age, right? This is at 18, 19 years old. And you know, I was 21 at the time. I wasn't even <laughs> at that point. So, like, you know, like, Are you that yeah. way now? Yeah, for sure. I no, was hoping yeah. you would tell me he's, like, the biggest slob alive or oh, something like not, that. Not, not a big slob. No, he's not a big slob. He kept his side of the house freezing cold, and my side of the house was super hot. So it was like a <laughs> tornado in the middle of the condo. But other than that, that was... Let me ask you about another player. Yes, you play RV. How is he different since he came back? That's not, it's just a workhorse, just uh, comes to the rink every day, on the ice he's working, off the ice he's working. And I think, you know, maybe there's a little bit of pressure when he first came to Edmonton. Obviously, you get drafted in that in that position. And he came back and he just smiles and brings great energy to the rink. And uh, I think that's why he's had some success now being back. And then as a teammate, he's like one, one of my favorite guys to be around in the room just because mm-hmm. of the, that good energy and, and obviously the work that he brings. You gave a speech, I saw 
uh, last week to Anthony Stewart's young group of guys. And you mentioned a book that you said, first of all, you gave great advice. You said you can't ride the roller coaster of emotions. You have to be as flat as you can. But there's a book you said that really helped you. Yeah. What's the, that book? The Mindful Athlete by How George Mumford. Actually, Jujar Kara played on our team. He recommended it to me. And uh, so I, I read the book. I actually kind of read it at a perfect time because I mean, as any player that you're like on social media, or whatever, you, there are so many highs, so many lows. You can have a game when you score one goal, you're just like, I'm the best player in the world. You can have another game when you're minus two. All of a sudden, two days later, you're the worst player in the world. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's just like, so finding a way, like, the book is, is unbelievable, but just finding a way to detach from result and more so just focus on the process of being a great player. And that kind of goes, ties into like we were talking about at the beginning when we were talking about. I was talking about work ethic. Like those are type of things that as a player you need to hone in on is because you can't control everything that's going on, on the outside. Just control what you can't control. Well, I think we've all got our fingers crossed. Big things on the horizon. Uh, not just for you, Darnell, but your Oilers as well. Thanks so much for doing this. Best of luck this season. Thank you, fellas. Matthew Kachuk, Calgary Flames, joins us on 32 Thoughts, the podcast. How was summer in St. Louis? It was good to have a little normal back in my life after um, the last little while. It was fun to see people that I didn't get to see all season being in Canada. Not one person could have came up and visited. I didn't see my brother probably more times than I would have liked to during <laughs> the year. But uh, it was nice to have some normal back. But now I'm getting ready again. You know, because you have a really close family, your mm -hmm. brother, your sister, your parents. Like, mm -hmm. you guys are around each other quite a bit. Yeah. It must have been very strange for you yeah, not to it, have them. Yeah, it was weird. Um, normally, whenever I, play, whenever I play Brady, everybody comes up to those games. So to play them nine times and have nobody there at all, that was weird. Um, but we made up for it this summer. We had a couple trips. Just got back from going to Virginia to see my sister play field hockey there. Yeah, we had some fun. It was good. Awesome. When I see about the Calgary Flames and Daryl Sutter, it seemed as if all the moves that were being made this offseason were very much Daryl Sutter moves for Daryl Sutter-type players. What do you expect your team to be like next season? Yeah, well, if that's the case, I have a pretty good idea how we're going to be playing. You know, I think that we didn't have success last year. Everybody knows it. And, um, you know, we've got a lot of, you know, basically – most of the guys are coming back. So we all want a shot to try to change um, the narrative on our team right now. And, you know, it's been very average there the past however many years. I mean, that's no secret. So it, I've said it a lot this summer, but, like, it really is time. Like, time, we don't have forever to change this, the guys that are there right now. And, you know, we want to win in Calgary. We love it there. I love it there. And I think it's a, the year where something has to happen and something mm -hmm. has to, we have to take that next step. And I know guys are prepared to do that. We all have it in our heads, like enough is enough. And um, we're excited to, to go out there and come up with a good start. I haven't had a good start there in each year. What have I, this is year six, crazy. And I think our team's been, you know, right around 500 after the first month or first, you know, two months every season. So we got to come out of the gates strong. I know the one year we won the West, we had still came out of the gates, not very strong, but then won like, 25 of like 27 after that and just set ourselves up great so it'd be nice to come out of the gate a bunch of games above 500 and just roll from there when you look back at last year what went sideways because it, it looked like it had promise yeah I, I just think that you know we had we were honestly feeling good after the first couple of games of the year we had a week off 
I mean, it's not an excuse, but I'm just saying like a lot of out of rhythm stuff. And then, I mean, we're, we're in a fight all the way to the end when you think about it. I mean, we were, we finished the season three points behind Montreal. So that's what pisses me off the most and makes me the most upset is, you know, there were games for the year and times where, you know, I wish could have had more of an impact or wish it could have been out there more to make an impact. So at the end of the day, the team that beat us by three points is playing in the Stanley Cup final. So I, uh, you know, definitely didn't have the greatest summer watching them go all the way. And we don't even have a big rivalry with them or anything. It's just frustrating to see them because we are the team fighting with them. I thought we were a better team at the time, beat them a lot more than they beat us. So you know, that's a really good point. Like you're probably sitting there watching the Toronto series and saying that could have been us. And then well, you're watching yeah. the Winnipeg series and you're like, that could have been us. Should have, Yeah. Yeah. It easily, not easily, but it would have been. You know, there's times I think of games, you know, midway through the year, mid-March or, you know, mid-April where, you know, I don't understand what happened and, you know, felt like we could have been, put ourselves in a better spot at the end of the season, put it that way. It's Mm -hmm. a a shortened season. I know you're probably not going to accept this. Um, You say, oh, that's an excuse. Forget about it. We all play the same amount of games. But did you feel like you're a team that just ran out of runway? That if it were an 82-game season, we could have seen the Calgary Flames in the playoffs? Yeah, I think so. I think that we were trending if that no maybe that's not the right word but it just made no sense you know the games at the end when they didn't mean as much you know that's when we started playing better and you know guys were playing up to the you know our standards more I know Mm -hmm. that it's frustrating for me those are the games that uh, me and you know I was playing with Johnny and and Lindy at the end of the year and some of those games that didn't matter that's when we started playing you know feeling it again it's just that's where it's frustrating too like why couldn't it happened earlier and you know, happened two games earlier, we win two of them that we lost and we're in playoffs. So, but that year, we'll not forget that year. We'll definitely not forget that year. I'm just very motivated to come out with a better start this year. You know, one of the things, Matthew, I was kind of wondering was you had, it was that game against Toronto with Muzzin. And it looked to me like you were frustrated that you were trying to drag the Flames into the fight and it wasn't always there with you. And from outside, that's what we are all kind of thinking. Did you have that kind of a thing? Uh, no, I think that guys on my team are, you know, very competitive team and guys that were um, very willing to come in there and, and play that type of style and, and everything like that. I just think losing with me is frustrating. It doesn't matter, you know, how we lose or what happens. I know a lot of people said stuff like that, but, you know, that that's the past and moved on. And, you know, I think we have very, very, very competitive team and guys that, really want to win and which I like more is hate to lose and that's Mm -hmm. probably the biggest thing with me is and I know I get myself in trouble a lot very emotional and animated and stuff but we have a lot of guys that hate to lose as well and I just react different ways than most guys but no we definitely have a competitive team and a team that sticks together I wonder because listen you're a player and we've known this about you for a long time like to your point you hate losing and you'll show it and you'll wear it and fans appreciate it 82 games is a long season Mm -hmm. And, you know, I always wonder about managing emotions throughout a season, make sure the highs aren't too highs and the lows aren't too mm-hmm. low. Just sort of, I know fans want to see like, ah, we lost the game, smash a stick over the crossbar. Yeah, that guy hates losing. And part of me says, I'd rather have that guy just be able to park it and, and move mm-hmm. on to the next game. You know, you mentioned like you've been in the league now for a while. Mm-hmm. How much now do you try to try to manage your emotions throughout a season mm-hmm. So you're not just exhausted, yeah. Like mentally by the end. I think I've gotten better, even though you know, just named an incident where obviously wasn't. You're even a kachuk, that yeah, happens. exactly. I, I seem to you know, you know, lose it a little bit every once in a while. But I've gotten way better throughout my career. My first year, I mean, I 
I wouldn't even say my highs were too high. I was just, you know, freaking out when we'd lose and everything. And I was never really used to losing. I w- was winning everywhere I went before that. So I was never used to that. And, but then, you know, my first year, it was funny. We, uh, you know, we're bottom of the pack the first half. And then second half, we won 10 in a row and we made playoffs. So that was some of the most fun hockey I've been a part of in the NHL. So you are right, though. You have to be even keel in the NHL. You have to be. You're going to stress yourself out or you're going to be a distraction or whatever. So, you know, I've been trying to get better with that. But at the end of the day, I'd rather have somebody that's emotional and not somebody that cares as mm-hmm. opposed to somebody that can just easily park it and stuff. You have you have to be able to meet in the middle. But that's how we're going to get out of it in Calgary and become a better team is, you know, and we're bringing in guys that are have won. We're bringing in Blake Coleman, who um, has won recently, knows what it takes to win the NHL now. So he'll be great for us and he'll be a great guy to talk to. And who who does hit that intersection that you talk about between caring but not letting it be overwhelming? Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the most competitive guys on my team, I'd say Two of them are two guys I've been fortunate enough to play that have been my centers most of my career is Backland and Lindholm. I mm. think they're the perfect medium with that. And two of the most underrated players, you know, that yeah, yeah. nobody talks about, but great leaders, great workers, hard workers, and very good for me to have too, because I know I'm emotional, but they kind of can keep me down, but they also care a ton. So those are good guys to have in my corner. And so I, you're saying they have to be Swedish. That's basically <laughs> what it comes down to. Our whole team's <laughs> Swedish now. So I, uh, the uh, the Calgary Swedes now, not the Calgary Flames, but uh, <laughs> no, I love them. They're great. They're great guys. This year, you're going to walk into the dressing room for the first time since you've been there. There's going to be no Mark Giordano. Yeah. It's going to be weird. It is going to be weird. How is it going to change things? I think it's going to change a lot more than probably we're expecting, to be honest. I mean, he's 980 games as a, or 50 games as a Flame, whatever mm-hmm. it is, and he... Uh, He's been my teammate for five years, been the captain, the guy where I, if I needed anything or if I had just anything to ask about on-ice stuff, off-ice stuff, he was the guy. So now there's no more of that. But we have a great group of guys that are leaders of all ages, You know, some young guys, some old guys, some guys that are middle-aged guys. So we're going to have to do it by committee when it comes to leadership stuff and all the side stuff that Gio easily took care of and easily – no questions asked, was in charge of, and just such a great leader. So we're going to miss him. And that's not even talking about the player he was. Um, we have some great defenders, but Gio did it all, every situation. So we're going to need guys to do it by committee back there. But we have some really good young defensemen that uh, are going to be willing to do that stuff. I look at Hannafin as a guy who's really going to take a step this year, one of my best buddies. He was good. He's, He's a great really player. Mm-hmm. He really is. Um, and then Rasmus Anderson, Valimaki, some guys that are going to you know, really – take that next step what did you think when you first started hearing the rumors that daryl's coming i have heard those rumors for a while and it just seemed uh you know if they're gonna do it it'd be like at the beginning of the year or whatever so i think i heard those rumors ever since the stuff with billy happened and i think that was true like once that happened i think they started asking him what would you think so i don't know if that's technically a rumor i think that's a fact but it was so long after that first rumor that i'm like oh now they're like again like it's Terrible hockey reporting. <laughs> yeah, but it was. Uh, but we just got a text after one of the games. He's coming. Team Zoom called tomorrow. It was all business. It was, it was quick it was during the year. You know, we just beat Ottawa, seven three. Mm-hmm. One of the better games we played. So everyone's on a high, and then it happens. It's like, oh, it, that's what I mean. That that year was all about stuff like that. Like it was yep. just a, it was a friggin' roller coaster. So last one for me, and you can tell me if I'm overstepping my bounds. Do you talk to Brady at all during this? 
during the season or during no, the during summer? Like, like now, as he's going through his all situation the time. with all the time, I'm as yeah, I'm I'm in the mix. I'm oh, okay. always there. I don't, I don't, some, I it's, don't, it's a family business. Nobody wants to deal with the Kachucks <laughs> in this, but uh, we do it by a committee. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah. Brady, how's he be, doing? How's he's he doing, doing great. through this? He's he's doing, oh, I want to hear what you, Brady might be. What well, about he this might thing? he might be pulling a classic Kachuk right now. I mean, Dad held out, Matthew held out, and Brady looks like he's on his way right now. So hopefully, it gets. Uh, Hopefully we can get figured out here, but uh, there's just a lot of a lot of fake stuff out there regarding this. They're they're not too close, so hopefully it gets figured out. But who knows? I but I'm my dad and I are definitely involved. Brady needs us to help him out with that stuff. He's not he wasn't as cutthroat as we were during it, but he's starting to become more of a kachuk the later this goes. So it's uh, it's good though. He's a great player, deserves to get everything he should, and. Um, you know, he's the most important part of their team, the captain. I mean, obviously all the stuff that all of us know about him and he loves it there. Absolutely loves it there. So we'll see what happens. But now being Calgary, I won't be involved as much, obviously. So he's represented by Newport and dad and older brother. Yeah, he's a Kachuk. I mean, that's how we do it. So hope I'm hoping it just, you know, gets better soon. But I guess it can only get better from the sounds of it. So. We'll see. This has been great. Listen, good luck with the Flames. And we didn't even ask you about Olympics, but fingers crossed. We'd love to see you in Beijing. Yeah, that's the biggest goal of mine. So I hope uh, hope that can happen. And speaking of Brady, I hope I can do it with him. That'd be, uh, awesome. that'd be pretty special. Very cool. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Pleased to be joined now by Andrew Mangiapane of the Calgary Flames. Uh, first of all, thanks for doing this. Second of all, how was your summer, as abbreviated as it might have been for a lot of people, and certainly the players you skate with, how was your summer on the ice? Uh, yeah, first off, thanks for having me. And uh, my summer's been good. My offseason's been good. Obviously, I went over to Latvia there and yep. uh, took some time off summer, but obviously it was uh, well worth it. But uh, yeah, I've just been training with Andy O'Brien and good trainer and just a good group of guys that go there. Quick little detour on Latvia. I've always maintained with all due respect to Canadian hockey fans and American fans that are listening that Latvian hockey fans are the best in the world, period. They're winning, they're losing, they don't care. They're singing, they're drinking, they're having a good time. What was your Latvian experience like? See, I I heard that too, but uh, because of COVID, there was restrictions. I think they allowed people in the quarterfinals game and semis and finals, right? So, I don't. It wasn't even full capacity or anything like that, right? So I was uh, hoping that they were gonna allow fans to come in and watch, but yeah, it didn't really uh, end up kind of happening. Only a, I don't even know how what the limit was, but yeah, it wasn't really wasn't packed. Did you like it there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it was fun. It was a great experience. Again, we were kind of in the bubble, so uh, it would have been nice to be able to maybe go go outside and just experience Latvia. It was my first time overseas, so. Uh, would have been nice to just kind of travel and do all like the tourist stuff a little bit and maybe stay an extra week after the tournament was over or something like that. But yeah, I couldn't really do anything because of COVID. So so you've never really traveled before? No. So like what's number one on your list? You know, when we finally get a normal summer and we can all travel again, where's the first place you're going? It eventually have to be Italy, oh, right? Yeah. right? Just yeah. go back there. Uh, apparently there's a Manjapane cave. Uh, Are you serious? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I when I was playing in Stockton, a fan came up to me and showed me pictures of their. They went on a trip, and there's apparently a Munchapani cave that uh, I don't know. Maybe my ancestors just kind of lived in. Uh, it was I think it's in Sicily. So. Yeah. 
don't know anything about it. Don't know much about anything, but uh, it was uh, pretty cool just to kind of see the pictures. And I have to go back to it. I, I gotta say that is really cool that, that you might. You're probably the only guy in the yeah. NHL that has a cave named after you. Like that is an outstanding, outstanding accomplishment. Yeah, yeah. Did you ask your family about it at all or anything? Talk to my dad a little bit about yeah. it, and I don't know if he knew either. Right? It was just kind of oh, interesting. I I don't think he's been uh, to Italy at all, at all either. So I think uh, maybe we have to take a family trip uh, out there. My mom doesn't really like to fly, so mm-hmm. it's even tough to get her out to some of my games uh, <laughs> in Calgary and all that. So I think she's only she's only been out there once or twice. So what does she like less, flying or watching you play? What does she like less? Uh, probably uh, flying, I'd okay. say. Right? Yeah, some yeah. parents I know they they get twisted up in knots watching their kids. Yeah, she does. But and then she's also happy if I do something good. Mm-hmm. And then she's yelling at the TV if I get hit for maybe the, a dirty <laughs> hit or a penalty or something like. It could be the cleanest hit in the world, but it'll still be very dirty uh, in her eyes. So every play is apparently she's yelling at at something, yelling at the TV, good or bad. <laughs> probably heard this before there's an old saying in hockey um uh, a smaller player has to prove he can play a bigger player has to prove that he can't you seem to be someone that's always defied odds and defied stereotypes and jumped over every hurdle etc has it always felt like that to you yeah i'd say so i feel like um, a lot of kind of ups and downs on my uh path to the nhl just being a smaller player you know you always kind of you know you're too small to play in the nhl just kind of go to NCAA, get your schooling. I was always told that, right? And, uh, and that's what I was doing. I was, I was studying kind of for the SATs. I was prepared just to kind of go the school route. And, you know, if I if I end up playing in the NHL, I end up playing in the NHL. But uh-huh. most important, just kind of go to the NCAA, get your schooling and get something out of hockey, right? And then kind of took a turn when um, Dale Howard, Chuck, uh, and the Barry Colts organization just yep. kind of it's out of the blue. He basically said, "Hey, we want to we want to sign you." And my mom was originally fighting with Dale, saying, "Because uh, she was my agent at the time, <laughs> saying, uh, what do you mean you want to sign him? He's too small, no.'" And then they were just kind of going back, and he's like, "No, no, miss, no, lady. Uh, we we like your son. We think he's a good hockey player." And um, even after they said they wanted to sign me, the we parents and I kind of went out, and we were still saying, "I don't know if we should sign. We're kind of scared." Because once you play a game or whatever yep. it is, you lose your exhibition game. That's yeah, right. yeah, mm-hmm. and can then you lose your eligibility to go yep. NCAA, and it was it was just nerve wracking because that's all we were ever told to do is just go mm-hmm. NCAA, and that's what your son's gonna do. There's no OHL for him. It's just go NCAA. He's too small, and yeah, it was just kind of a weird kind of how it went, and even now we still kind of laugh about it. How my mom's kind of was yelling at uh, Dale. Uh, <laughs> Hall of Famer, great player, great fifteen hundred points, right? whatever. Yeah, yeah, and uh, she's kind of yelling at him, uh, arguing with him, and I'm sitting there in the corridor. My dad's sitting there, just shaking <laughs> our heads. And but yeah, she was the best agent I, I think I've ever had, so that was good. <laughs> I heard a story. I don't know the answer to this question, so it's like a lawyer always says, "Never ask a question unless you know the answer to it." So I'm I'm going a bit naked here, <laughs> but I heard after your in your first season with the Flames, there was a, a meeting you had, and then you carried a note with you in your wallet. Yeah, what is this? What what is this story? When was that? I think that was I showed it to Tree. Tree, my first day, kind of getting getting. I want to say my first camp. He kind of wrote down kind of uh, three things that I need to improve on, need to work on, and uh, just kind of things that um, 
me going back to the minors, just trying to get better. It was just things like that and just kind of always practice hard. Every day is a day to kind of get better, things like that. And I just kind of kept that with me. It was my first first camp and, and Tree gave that to me and said, you know, you want to play in the NHL. This is kind of, these are your goals, right? When we send you, you're a young guy, just go back to the Barry and just get better, right? And um yeah, it just kind of kept it with me throughout all these years. You still have it? I still have it. Not on me right now. It's in my uh, my uh, other wallet that I that I uh, have, right? But it was just. Will you just still take it to games? Yeah, it's just to... just been in my. I got a big kind of big wallet. That like I a have, Costanza right? wallet yeah, that's got yeah, lots yeah. of papers in it. I had to take it. Yeah. Had to take out a lot of things <laughs> and kind of declutter it. The guys were kind of giving it to me, but yeah, I still have I still have that in there. What's on it? Like, what does it say on it? Three points. It was you know every day's a day to get better. Um, when you go back practice at NHL pace don't kind of lower yourself to you know the junior junior pace and just always keep pushing and always just trying to keep getting better right and uh, that was kind of like the just of it and Mm -hmm. um, yeah and I just kind of kept it just wanted to some days just keep it there for a reminder just kind of push myself and just try to be the best player I could be. Uh, Outside of your parents which is the obvious and always correct answer to this question I think of your mom arguing with Dale Howard. Yeah. That's an amazing visual that I'm going to take away from today. Who's had the biggest influence on your on your career? Maybe it's just a comment. Maybe it's someone you played against. Maybe it's a teammate. Maybe it's a coach. Maybe it's a Zamboni driver. Yeah. Is there someone that sticks out for you? Um, obviously, it would probably be my parents. Yep. And uh, my sister's always supported me uh, growing up just through going through hockey and, you know, sometimes helping me out with my homework and maybe I got some coloring I needed to do and stuff like that. And they would kind of help out there and they were always kind of, they were always kind of supporting with uh, whatever I I do. But um, other than, I guess, kind of those four, it it would probably be Dale Howard, Chuck and, you know, the the Barry organization. Um, They brought me on and and believed in me when no one else uh, really did. I wasn't going there to make the Barry Colts I was going there to just see if I had a career in hockey right they just wanted to kind of measure myself up against their first round picks and and I was going there just didn't know much right I I didn't know anyone on the team I knew kind of Ackblad was there that's it right I I didn't know really any anyone didn't know what to expect and they saw something in me when um, really nobody else did Right, uh, they didn't care that I was too small or that I was a uh, toothpick or skinny. They they saw that I was a good hockey player, and and they just gave me the opportunity, and um, I just kind of ran with it from there. It's interesting to hear you talk about this because kind of the same thing happened in the NHL, right? Yeah. Like it was a, a team in Calgary that saw something in you, and yeah. you took a big step last year. You're really improving as a player. You know, you were a big part of a world championship team that I think surprised and impressed us all. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see the movie Rocky Three? Have you ever seen that movie? I've seen Rockies. I don't know if I've watched. Okay, so it's the, the one mo- with yeah, Mr. Cl- like, Clever. It's the one with yeah. Mr. T, and and <laughs> yeah. there's there's a scene in there and uh, where they talk about the like you know the eye of the tiger. Like, yeah. do you lose it? Do you keep it? And I, and I wonder, like, for everything you've done, do you ever worry about losing that eye of the tiger? Do you ever worry about that? I don't think so, right? I think uh, just kind of the way I kind of grew up and the way that I've, I've always played, it was always trying to be the best player you can be. And then that's my thinking behind really everything, right? It's just kind of work hard and be the best person for you, for anything that you can do, right? Um, and that's just kind of how I, I look at it um, with everything I do kind of in my life, whether it's, you know, on the ice, off the ice, just kind of, you know, always train, work hard and 
just always give it your all out there. Do you have to win in everything you do? Like when you play board games and things like yes. that or video games? <laughs> yes. I don't know what your yes. other... Yeah, I'm very, very, very competitive there, right? And Terrible loser? Terrible I loser. Hate to lose. That was the one question that someone asked me there. Do you hate to lose or you love to win, right? And uh, mine's... Uh, I don't know if it's the right answer or whatever it is, but yeah... Love winning, but I, I hate losing. Uh, I'm, I'm a big suck with uh, with kind of everything. Uh, maybe throw in a way to cheat and uh, put it to my favor. Bend the rules a little bit there, but uh, that's just who I kind of am. What did you think when you heard Daryl Sutter was coming? I was excited. I, I, I really didn't know what to expect. Um, I know Gio and kind of Luch were kind of, you know, hearing the rumblings and, and they were kind of warning us a little bit and... I like him as a coach. He is um, he is what he is, right? He's going to yell at you whether you're a top player or the worst player, whether it's um, you mess up, whatever it is. But you, you got to know that, okay, if he's uh, hard on you, he's uh, hard on everybody and he's hard on you because he wants the best out of you, right? He wants you to always work hard, always wants you to do your best. So he's obviously a good coach. He's uh, he's won, right? And, uh, and that's what well, I guess Calgary wants to do. We want to win. Right, and uh, I want to win, so um, maybe that's the way. Maybe uh, everyone just kind of needs a little extra push, and maybe he's the guy to, you know, take us to the next level. I was looking at, you know, just looking at some things for the Flames off season, and I noticed, you know, obviously you're a left hand shot. You know, Jack Eichel's a right hand <laughs> shot. That would be pretty good, yeah, yeah, setting yeah. you up there from time to time. Yeah, no, no, I, I don't know really what's going to happen, but uh, obviously, Cameron doesn't apply to players. Yeah. By the way, speak freely, Andrew. Yeah, yeah, no, obviously he's a he's a great player, right? So I think uh, any team kind of that ends up with him is going to be, I guess, pretty lucky, right? So he's a he's a good player. I just kind of skated with him over at the Biosteel. He wasn't really doing all yeah. contact drills or anything like that, but. Um, he was uh, looking good, and you, you could see that he still has it. Were you talking to him about good places to live in Calgary at all? Or no, no, like I wasn't that? giving him any of that. Didn't want to <laughs> pressure him too much there. My, uh, my colleague's on a fishing trip right yeah. now, and uh, we're, uh, we're being given the wrap, so you're off the hook. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, thanks so much for stopping by. Uh, wish you continued success, and, and best of luck with the Flames this year. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, and there you have it. That's our podcast for today. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, thanks to our guests as well, Andrew Mangiapani, uh, Matthew Kachuk, both of the Calgary Flames, and Darnell Nurse of the Edmonton Oilers. This is really cool here. Taking us out, an artist who just released his debut album, When the Magic Hits, Adrian Sutherland, has been making music for years but it's his love of hockey that brings his music to our podcast. Now, a bit about Adrian and his passion for the game from a 2017 blog post. As a boy in Attawapiskat, I started playing hockey and net on the outdoor rink. I wasn't a good player and my skating was choppy, so I got thrown in nets. The school would collect donated gear from the south and we each got what we could grab. My goalie pads were from the 60s era, old faded brown leather pads, a glove and blocker. I only had a flimsy backcatcher chest plate for protection and recall feeling intense pain after blocking each shot. One day, I decided to reinforce the plate with layers of tape and cardboard, and that seemed to do the trick. That's awesome. With that, from his debut album, When the Magic Hits, here's Adrian Sutherland with Big City Dreams on 32 Thoughts, the podcast. Chasing big city dreams got no fear Cause I got a song that will get me the hell out of here But every 
Still here. Oh. 